on count one of the indictment, Mr. Daybell, how do you plead? Not guilty. On count two, how do you plead? Not guilty. At his June 9th arraignment, Chad Daybell is stone-faced, almost lizard-like. On count three, how do you plead? Not guilty. Although I detect a hint of anxiety, I wonder if we got closer. Maybe we could see a fine line of sweat tracing his brow. On count four, how do you plead? Not guilty. On count five, how do you plead? Not guilty. On count six, how do you plead? As Chad responds to the charges, he doesn't look like a man of unshakable faith who believes that God directed every step he took. And on count nine, how do you plead? Not guilty. Chad is facing multiple counts of the most serious crimes you can commit. He's charged with the murders of JJ, Tylee, his wife Tammy, along with conspiracy to commit murder and insurance fraud. The death penalty is on the table. For now, Lori is not being arraigned on these charges. She's been deemed incompetent to stand trial, remanded to a psychiatric hospital. A judge has determined that Lori is not currently able to understand the charges or help in her own defense. So now, the prophet stands alone. While there is a lot about this case that suggests Lori and Chad fanned the flames of each other's extreme views, the idea that all of this was driven by religious fanaticism doesn't reflect what police and prosecutors say happened. I think religion in this case is just the excuse. It's what they tell themselves to make it okay. Nate Sunderland is the managing editor of East Idaho News in Rexburg and has been covering this case from the beginning. But in the end, the bottom line is sex and money. Alongside these murder charges and these conspiracy charges, there are financial charges related to the insurance money. From the moment the media got hold of this story, headlines about fringe religious beliefs, zombie children, and end-of-the-world scenarios blared from screens and newspapers. But behind the scenes, police and then prosecutors were working on a much less sensational, a lot more mundane theory of their own. People don't really come out and say it, but I mean, Lori is a fairly good looking woman and Chad kind of looks like a potato man. I think the police have a bit of a cynical view on it. I, I don't think they focus nearly as much on the religion part of it as the media has. I think the, the police have been thinking sex and money were the motivators for a long time, a lot longer than we were. I'm Sarah Trelevin, and this is Madness of Two. An original podcast by USG Audio. As the media chased down friends, family, even foes of Lori and Chad, all trying to get closer to the couple, authorities were diligently reading every text message, examining every Google search, and looking at every business transaction the couple made. 
When we talk to prosecutors or police, they tell us there are terabytes of evidence here. I mean, they're, these, they were sloppy. Chad and Lori were sloppy in the way they did this. And because of that, there is so much physical evidence that, I mean, they're expecting a trial oh, five, six weeks just because there's so much to go over. That evidence also includes cell phone records from Lori's brother, Alex Cox. Police say pings from nearby cell phone towers would place Alex in Chad's backyard the day after Tylee was last seen alive and would help them find both children's bodies. But it was a text exchange between Chad and his wife, Tammy, sent just 14 minutes after Alex's phone pinged from the Daybell's property that really caught the attention of the authorities. Can you please state your name and spell your full name for the record? Benjamin Dean. Uh, last name is D-E-A-N. Where are you employed? Uh, Federal Bureau of Investi- Investigation. FBI agent Benjamin Dean is being questioned by Idaho prosecutor Spencer Rammel during Chad's preliminary hearing. Mr. Dean, will you please read aloud the messages in this exhibit, including time stamps and contact name? Well, I've had an interesting morning. Chad texts that he wanted to burn some fallen tree branches in the backyard when something strange happened. I felt I should burn all the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. While I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun, and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in our pet cemetery. Fun times. Tammy, who gets this message while she's at work, will be found dead in her bed little more than a month later, at the age of 49. 9-9-2019, 59 a.m., from Chad. Gonna shower now and then go right for a while at BYU. Love you. You testified, Mr. Dean, that these messages initially caught your attention. Yes, they did. Why? The first message uh, in particular caught my attention because it was longer and more detailed than any of the other messages between Chad and Tammy that were stored on the device. But it wasn't just that this text was more elaborate than any other text Chad had sent his wife. The agent was struck by something much more disturbing. I was well aware that that date, uh, 8th of December 2019, was the last day that Tylee Ryan was seen alive. So upon reading this text message in which Chad uh, appears to claim to have started a fire, shot and killed a large animal, and buried it on his property. Uh, I recognized that it was, uh, it was sent uh, the, the day after Tyler Ryan was last seen alive. Police doubt there was ever a raccoon. But rather, Chad was covering his tracks. He didn't want his wife to come home and wonder about the fresh mounds of dirt in their backyard. Idaho is such a wide open space. This is Nate Sunderland of East Idaho News. You could, from where I'm sitting now, you could travel 50 miles, 50 to 75 miles in any direction and have nothing. You could put a body in the ground anywhere within that area and the chances of it being found are are almost none. I, I mean, it, it's a... <laughs> It's a popular kind of phrase that that the journalists here say, if you want to commit murder, come to Idaho, because 
all you have to do is stash a body somewhere and never be found. And that there was evidence out there leading to the backyard is, is mind-boggling to me. Just mind-boggling. And there's more. About a month after Tylee was last seen alive, a friend sent her a text to say she was missing her. Six days later, there was a response. Hi. Miss you guys too. Love ya. The friend got suspicious because she said the language and the spelling of the text didn't match the way Tylee would normally communicate. Today, prosecutors say that Lori or Chad sent that text to cover their tracks. Police weren't the only ones doing deep dives into Lori and Chad's digital history. Arizona private investigator Rich Robertson was hired by Charles Vallow's sister. Charles was Lori's fourth husband. He was the one shot and killed by her brother, Alex. After Charles, Lori moved on to husband number five, Chad Daybell. Robertson's investigation led him straight to Lori's footprint on Amazon. She was using her now deceased husband's login and passwords to do Amazon shopping. So we were able to watch her do that and found out exactly where she was having stuff shipped at a specific address. And among the things that she bought in the history it showed was a couple of rings. I think they were green malachite rings. One was a man's ring and one was a woman's ring. That purchase occurred two weeks before Chad Daybell's wife died in her sleep. And five weeks after that, Chad and Lori were on a beach in Hawaii, getting married. So it's clear that they had been making plans for a future together while Tammy was still alive. One might infer. (laughs) But back home, things were unraveling. Police started asking more and more questions about the kids. That's Chad Daybell talking to Lori's close friend, Melanie Gibb. And yes, hello, sweet Melanie is a creepy way to start a phone call. All right. We're in the phone. <laughs> How are you guys? We're okay. How are you doing, babe? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. This call between Chad, Lori, and Melanie Gibb is being made while the couple are in Hawaii on their honeymoon. Are you in Idaho? At this point, Lori's kids have been missing for nearly 11 weeks. I just wanted to ask you a question, if you don't mind, Lori. Yeah, of course, honey. Well, I was wondering why you told the police why he was with me. When her kids went missing, Lori told some people that Tylee was at college. She told JJ's school that she had pulled him out to homeschool him. But she told police a different story that JJ was with her friend, Melanie. I just needed to have somebody that I, so I wouldn't have to tell them where he really was. Yeah. Is JJ safe? He is safe and happy. He wasn't. We know that now. And Melanie Gibb must have found it all too suspicious because she turned this recorded call over to the police. 
they added it to a pile of evidence that just kept growing. There was this strange decision to get rid of JJ's service dog, Bailey. Bailey was a large black golden doodle, a companion for JJ, who was autistic. Bailey helped JJ sleep through the night. One month before the kids went missing, Lori tried to sell him online. This is one of our producers reading what Lori wrote. Golden Doodle, fully trained dog, $2,500. Bailey has such a sweet spirit. He has brought so much love. Has been trained with children in the home, non-smoking home. Looking for new owners who will appreciate and love him the way he has been loved. Spent $7,000 on service training. The trainer who had originally homed Bailey with the Vallos took him back. He told a local TV news team that Lori was vague about why she was getting rid of the dog JJ loved. She told him that the family was moving up north. Is everything okay, he asked her. It's too hard to talk about, she said. Then there was the storage locker. Security cameras captured Lori and Chad dropping off kids' bikes and a backpack with JJ's initials on it at a locker that they rented. So Chad and Lori seemed to be tying up loose ends. And with Tammy dead, they were free to run off to Hawaii and get married. But police say the two lovebirds were interested in more than the chance to spend their lives together. I believed in God despite what I was going through. And now that I can read the Bible for myself, I can see that they just created their own religion. This is the story of a mother who claimed to be an emissary of God and a daughter's search for the truth. House of Prayer. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Chad Daybell was also indicted on two counts of insurance fraud related to life insurance policies he had on Tammy Daybell, for which he was the beneficiary and received funds after her death. This is from a news conference held in May of this year. It's the first time anyone outside law enforcement is hearing that Chad and Lori might have been motivated by money. Lori Daybell was also indicted on the charge of grand theft related to Social Security survivor benefits allocated for the care of minors Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallo that were appropriated after the children were missing and ultimately found deceased. Prosecutors claim that just before Tylee disappeared, Lori moved the Social Security payments Tylee was receiving to her own bank account. And when JJ disappeared, Lori kept collecting his Social Security payments too. Altogether, authorities say she collected more than $1,000 that was meant for the kids. A small sum compared to what Chad got for cashing in Tammy's life insurance policy. For that, he got over $400,000. Fairly early on, prosecutors started following this theory. They knew that Lori and Chad were infatuated with each other, that they wanted to be together, and that they would need to come up with some cash. We also know that over a period of a couple days, in the end of January, I think it was January 29th and the 30th, Lori had 
removed $35,000 plus from the business account, had moved it into a personal account, leaving Charles with less than $100 to run the business. This is Annie Cushing again. She was Lori's sister-in-law when Lori was married to husband number three, Joe Ryan. So it just looks like she was just accruing money and then, you know, uh, doing whatever she needed to do to start moving toward marrying Chad. According to divorce papers, it was around this time that Lori was telling Charles that she was immortal, reincarnated, and preparing to lead humanity towards the end of the world. Her extreme beliefs seemed to be merging with Chad's. But while they were spiritually enmeshed, prosecutors seemed to be building a theory that Chad and Lori's motivations weren't so elevated. The evidence they gathered suggests the couple weren't only pursuing glory in the afterlife, but gains in this one. Charles would be shot dead by Lori's brother, Alex. But what Lori thought would be another economic windfall, Charles's life insurance, didn't quite materialize. At some point, Charles had changed the beneficiary of uh, his life insurance policy, and Lori didn't know that at the time. Charles had taken his wife Lori off the policy and replaced her with his sister Kay. Nate Sunderland has seen text messages between Lori and Kay after Lori found out she'd be losing out on the million-dollar payout. And the text messages, you can just, you can feel the rage. You know, she talks about, you know, how I'm raising the kids, how is it that you get all this money? Chad? had more luck with Tammy's life insurance policy. For a little while, anyway. Fremont County Sheriff's Office. Uh, yes, ma'am. My name's Ryan Piller. I'm a detective with the Gilbert Police Department in Arizona. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm calling reference a death investigation that I have now determined happened in your jurisdiction. Detective Ryan Piller has a hunch. I was hoping you could point me in the right direction. Hopefully I can. Who are we talking about? Uh, the decedent's going to be a Tamara Daybell. Tamara Daybell, or Tammy, as everyone who knew her called her. When Tammy died at her home in Rexburg, Idaho, her death had been classified as natural. But that wasn't sitting well with the police in Arizona. So why is someone from Arizona wanting to know? That's crazy. Why would police in Arizona be interested in a death that happened in Idaho? Yeah, isn't it funny how everything ties together? We just have some cases down here that, that got our attention with uh, Miss uh, Daybell. So. Gotcha. Okay. So, where is... Okay, so there was not an autopsy done. From what I was, I was advised that they, the family did not want an autopsy, so they just went straight to the funeral home, and the family refused an autopsy. Okay, so and I know it's a little different out there. Then, so the the coroner showed up on scene. Yes. After Miss um, Dave already passed away. Yes. The coroner just signed off then and there, and then the funeral home took Miss Dave. Is that how that works? Yes, that's that's pretty much how it works. Police. 
police in Arizona heard about Tammy's death and bells went off. They were suspicious about the connection to Lori, whose husband, Charles, was killed by her brother at Lori's Arizona home. The Arizona police got in touch with the Rexburg police. And they started putting together that, my goodness, there has been a couple deaths here around these people, and there's apparently some missing children. Maybe we need to take another look and see what happened with Tammy. East Idaho News reporter Nate Sunderland says that after this call, authorities did take a second look at Tammy's death. Her body was exhumed from the Evergreen Cemetery in Rexburg on December 11, 2019, and an autopsy was performed. The results haven't been made public, but today Chad stands charged with her murder. He's pleaded not guilty. I know that the rumors we hear, um, it appears that she may have been, that she died of asphyxiation. And that is the theory with JJ and Tylee as well. While Tammy was being exhumed, Chad and Lori were back in Hawaii. And have you seen those pictures of Chad and Lori in Hawaii, where Chad has seemingly undergone a physical transformation? He is tan and he is fitter and he appears to, for the first time in his entire life, to have a decent haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really well said. I always knew the the more chubby, awkwardly dressed and, and presented guy, which, again, was a kind of a, an endearing quality about him for a lot of people. It just spoke of his humble, you know, just his humble nature and real side. I'm talking to Chad's friend Eric Smith again. There's no question that that shift. Yeah, when I saw him on the news first, I was like, whoa, who's that? No question. And and look at Lori. She's she's pretty and uh, obviously, you know, cares about appearance. I have no doubt that she played a role in his new appearance. And do you think that tells us anything about what Chad was seeking out beyond just spiritual elevation? Uh, yeah, I have no doubt. I think that just looking at the relationship of Chad and Tammy, that there were some unfulfilled uh, needs or desires or, or whatever. And I think when Lori came along, it was the perfect opportunity of, again, it's that storm coming together of um, unmet needs. It just all blended in just a really horrendous way. Chad and Lori on the beach look like two people who are clearly into each other. They're smiling, laughing next to the waves, giving off a living our best life vibe. Pictures of them today are a stark contrast. If that sun-soaked beach was the fantasy, the reality is a bleak, harshly lit courtroom and a dimmer future. Lori remains remanded to a mental health facility. From what we can gather, it looks like Chad's trial will happen in 2022. And his lawyer is requesting to move the venue out of Fremont County, Idaho saying his client could never get a fair trial so close to home. It seems that prosecutors will be presenting a case based mostly on circumstantial evidence, but they have been tight-lipped, and not much of what they have planned has been made public. What we do know 
is that they have asked for the death penalty for Chad Daybell. Chad's kids remain steadfast that their dad is innocent. In a recent TV special, all five Daybell kids sat for an interview and demonstrated the kind of folksy wholesomeness that might appeal to a jury pool. Chad's daughter, Emma, seems almost defiant. She says that her dad wouldn't have been dumb enough to commit a crime and then plant the evidence so close to home. But her theory of the case gets even more explosive. He was framed. And who does Emma think framed her father? It's pretty clear it was Lori and Alex. Emma's suggestion plays into the idea that Lori's brother, aimless Alex Cox, was convinced by his sister to commit multiple murders. But why? Well, just as we were about to launch this podcast, I got an email from Adam Cox, Lori and Alex's brother, and he wanted to talk. So I'm going to sit down with Adam and his son, Zach, who says that Lori was like a second mother to him. Do they think it's possible that Alex and Lori colluded to kill JJ and Tylee and frame Chad Daybell? How did their family end up in this living nightmare? On a special bonus episode of Madness of Two. This episode was produced by Beth Karras and me, Sarah Trelevin. Additional producing by Pacent Matar. Our associate producer is Alexis Green. Our production assistant is Danya Ali. Mix and sound design by Philip Wilson. Voice coaching by Athena Karkanis. Laura Regeer voiced Lori Valla's ad for Bailey the Dog. Our executive producers are Kathleen Goldhar, Katrina Onstadt, and Stuart Cox. Our USG audio team includes Jessica Grimshaw, Josh Block, Jennifer Sears, Daniel Welsh, and Craig Bloom. Theme music composed by Boombox Sound. This is an Antica Productions podcast in collaboration with USG Audio. For more information, go to usgaudio.com.